What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, and the list will go on and on and on. I will sit with your questions, pray with them, study, and hopefully respond in such a way that it is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. But my disclaimer is this, I'm not perfect. Therefore, the advice that I give to you, the responses I share with you might not be good for you. If that's the case, please reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and the church he founded 2,000 years ago. But if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean in more to Jesus Christ so that God can give you the graces that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you're a first-time listener, you can give me with your own questions at www.assistantpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell it A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, and all the other podcast formats that are out there. You can also share some social media pages. If the show is a gift for you, potentially it could become a gift for other people as well. And also, again, reminder, we now also, in addition to the Ask Father Josh podcast, we also have the Ask Father Josh show on Essential Presents YouTube channel. These are two different shows. Uh, the Ask Father Josh show is where I basically take one question per week based on whatever comments you leave in the comments section on the Essential Presents YouTube channel. When you use the hashtag Ask Father Josh, I'll be able to see that and then respond to your comments on YouTube. One question per show on YouTube uh, where I will address it from the perspective of how it affects our relationship with God, the church, and each other. And I will continue to do this podcast, the Ask Father Josh podcast, where I answer 35 questions. So a few of my viewers have been and listeners have been asking, like, what's going to happen to the podcast? The podcast is still going on and on and on. We're just adding a show uh, in addition to the podcast. So if you haven't checked out the show yet, just go on YouTube, Ascension Presents YouTube channel, Ask Father Josh, and it is on there. Uh, we have a new show every other week. So uh, our next show will be out next week uh, for that for that one. Um, but before we get into our questions for today's show, which are God's creation, Mother Nature, bad homilies, oh, we've heard so many of those, and the Angelus, I want to share with you a glory story. glory story glory glory stories ah, y'all so as vocation director we've been it's been like a busy busy season right now i've um i've I had to come and see for older guys in notre dame i had a high school event this week yesterday i have another one coming up on friday during the day another one friday night saturday another event um and then next weekend i got another full weekend of a come and see we're visiting the minor seminary so it's just been like a lot of come and see a lot of retreats, a lot of events, but it's been so beautiful for me, particularly because at these events and at these retreats, I've been able to accompany people as they are beginning to recognize the movements of the Holy Spirit in their lives. 
and perceive how God might be inviting them to become priests. And that's just a beautiful place to be. It reminds me of like the, the campus ministry at LSU that I work at, where you are able, where I am able to walk with young people, who students who are having their conversions for the first time, and we're able to help them to cultivate that relationship with Jesus. Uh, it's very similar work with vocation work, and it's just beautiful. I mean, some of these guys are so open to God and God's plan, and that just that pierces my heart wide open. And also, it's super cool because we're doing a couple of um, sister events as well. We have a high school event for girls coming up on Saturday, December 11th, uh, with the Mercy Darren Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament and the Hospital Sisters of Mercy and the uh, Daughters of Mary and the Missions of Charity. And then we also have that same weekend, uh, that 9th, 10th, and 11th weekend at Camp Abbey. We're doing a middle school December retreat with the servants of the Pierce Hearts of Jesus and Mary. So we have like a lot of really cool events happening that hopefully will just allow these people in our land to have an encounter with Jesus, to have a deeper, deeper relationship with Jesus so that they can really come to know him in an intimate way and, and, and fall in love with him. Because when we fall in love with Jesus, we're willing to go wherever he invites us to go. And uh, yeah, so Glory Stories, it's just been a gift to be able to accompany uh, these these young young people and their discernment and um, yeah I just I'm, I'm very hopeful for the future of our church so please pray 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 for them and pray for protection over them and their relationship with the Lord. Before we get into the questions, I got some feedback coming in from Anonymous. Thank you for the show. As a non-Catholic, I appreciate being able to ask questions privately without the pressure of a big conversation about RCIA or, or conversion. Yeah, you know what? That is one of the things I love about the show is that it's a safe place. It's a safe space for people who are not Catholic to listen in the comfort of their own home without other people being in a business and to be able to like talk to Jesus about what you hear me say. And um, I just, yeah, I, I love it. I love it that we're able to to walk with each other. And so I'd encourage you, Anonymous, to keep sending me your questions as well so that I could keep accompanying you um, in your relationship with the Lord and your walk toward becoming the particular saint that I know God desires for you to be. So with that being said, let's jump into today's show. gonna do there's a new uh, album out by Andy Minio he's a rapper and uh it's his album is so good it's here's what we're not gonna do and then his own priority priorities hey priorities hey so good all right first question comes in and it's about the angelus I know that any prayer can be said at any time but why is the angelus shown in prayer books to be recited at 6 a.m 12 noon and 6 p.m. Great question. It's for another person who claims to be anonymous. So first, let's just define what the Angelus is, because not everybody knows what the Angelus is. Angelus, it's a three-part prayer that we say three times a day, again, at 6 a.m., at noon, and at 6 in the evening. The name of the prayer um, is, is 
taken from its opening in Latin, Angelus uh, Domini, uh, the angel of the Lord, right? So um, we, we always say the angel of the Lord declared to Mary, she conceived by the Holy Spirit, right? So the prayer itself, it basically has uh, a few Hail Marys, a few verses, a few collects that focus on the incarnation of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and in and through the Annunciation, uh, where the angel Gabriel came to the Blessed Virgin Mary and, and invited her to be the mother of God. And so that's like what it is. Now, it's history isn't super clear. Like this is one of those questions where I've done my, done my research and I've found different conflicting uh, stories. So I'm just going to share with you what seems to be the most common uh, story about the history of the Angelus. And so basically, in the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning, the Angelus was something that was only said in the evening uh, around sunset. Uh, it had become a general practice throughout Europe, and it was a thing that you did toward the, the end of the day, uh, toward the end of the evening, the end of a workday, workers would engage in this practice. And then after the evening prayers of the Angelus, people added the morning prayer of the at 6 a.m., and then eventually they added the, the daytime prayer. Pope John the 22nd even gave an indulgence for people who, who recited the Angelus in the year 1318 and again in 1327. So it's a pretty old, old prayer. But the thing about it is this, is that a lot of people in that time, if they weren't married, they were like religious. They were monks, um, they're priests, and so uh, our sisters. And so monks and nuns, like they pray the liturgy of the hours. They pray it throughout the day, you know, 3 a.m., at 7 a.m., at 9 a.m., at 12 p.m., at 3 p.m., at 6 p.m., at 8 p.m. So throughout the day, they would stop and pause to remember God, to pray to God, to pray for the world throughout the day. Now, lay people weren't always able to to do that, right? To, to, to pray always and at all times like the monastics around the world were able to do. And so the Angelus became a way for lay people to have pauses throughout the day to remember God, to reflect on the gift of our salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And so 6 a.m. and 12 p.m. and 6 p.m. became just the norm, a normative prayer for lay people because they weren't able to pray the divine office. They weren't able to, to recite the liturgy of the hours throughout the day. They weren't all educated to even read. And so it was a simple prayer that you could memorize and you could then recite without having to, to, to read a book because a lot of people weren't educated. So a lot of people couldn't read, um, which is, again, why we have stained glass windows in churches, because the stained glass windows aren't just for beauty. They were for the point of catechizing people on the mysteries of the faith. And so these were simple prayers that could be said by all members of the body of Christ and not just some members of the body of Christ uh, throughout the world. And the same thing applies to us. Like we can get so busy throughout our day that sometimes we can forget about God, right? We get so caught up in work and in family and in ministry and in doing good things that we just forget to stop and to pray. And so that's why we even um, in the secular world have appointed times for prayer, like before we eat meals and after we eat meals, breakfast, lunch, and supper. But also we can include the Angelus before we eat meals and during our lunch break and in the evening with our family um, as a way to, to engage in like an evening prayer. These are all simple things that we could do that could just reorient our attention to the face of God. So again, the history is not super clear, but what is clear is that it began as an evening prayer as a way for workers to pray toward the, the evening, toward the end of the day. Um, and then it kind of caught on and became an evening and morning prayer, and then eventually an evening, morning, and daytime prayer. And so uh, 
praise God for the Angelus because it is. It's a daily reminder for all of us to just reorient our attention to the face of God. All right, speaking of reorient our attention to the face of God. When we look at God, we're able to listen to God and we can hear God speak. And one of the ways that God speaks to us sometimes is through homilies. But if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes homilies are really bad. And so uh, right now we're gonna answer a question from Paul about bad homilies. Hey, Father Josh, I'm an Anglican who has recently been learning a lot about the Catholic Church over the last six months or so. I found some very valuable teachings in the history of the church and from the church fathers, yet I have not found sufficient reason to join the Catholic Church yet. As I've been attending Mass at multiple parishes over the last half of a year, I've noticed that, in my opinion, most priests give poor homilies. My experience in the Anglican Church and most other Protestant churches that I've attended in college is that the pastor exegetes the scripture going verse by verse and teaching that way or talks about the history and the circumstances of the passage. I've experienced much fruit that way, whereas with most Catholic priests, homilies, I do not feel as though I've been fed um, or I've learned much about Christ. Unfortunately, sometimes they feel like pep talks or moral guidance talks. So my question stems from my experience in hearing a multitude of Catholic priests preach in a similar way, but why don't they teach directly out of the scripture, sometimes going verse by verse instead of giving a generalized pep talk based on the readings for the day? As a non-Catholic, I want to thank you for your podcast. They're a great way for me to hear and learn about Catholic perspectives and teachings. Paul, that is a great question. Paul, um, your observation that some priests give bad homilies is not isolated. Uh, I grew up going to church, uh, and uh, I've been to many different churches throughout my diocese, and I heard many bad homilies where I was like, man, like this is just really not good. Like the worst, especially is whenever a priest gets up there and just tells a joke. And I'm like, bro, like, okay, like, that's, that's great, but like, what about Jesus? What about salvation? What about the kerygma? What about the word of God? Uh, so you and I are not alone who have come to believe that some of our brother priests have given poor homilies, but so have the bishops of the United States of, in America. In 2012, they said that in a survey after survey over the past years, people of God have called for the mo- more powerful and inspiring preaching. A steady diet of, of tepid or poor prepared homilies is often cited as a cause for discouragement on the part of the laity and even leading some to turn away from the church. That's from the bishops. But the bishops aren't the only people that have talked about this. Pope Benedict also wrote about this. He said, given the importance of the word of God, the quality of homilies needs to be improved. And Pope Francis, our current Holy Father, he said, so many concerns have been expressed about this important ministry of preaching, and we cannot simply ignore them. So we cannot ignore them. Why are there poor homilies? Well, one reason I think, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just give a few of my ideas on, on why, why they're poor. Because I do think priests should, should, should preach about either the fruit of their prayer with the scriptures, like the Lexio, like what I do is I always just do Lexio Divina. I, I get the Bible and I apply the steps of Lexio Divina. I read what the word of God says, whether it's the first reading, the second reading, the response or Psalm, the Alleluia verse or the gospel. Um, and I, I meditate on it. What does it say to me? I, I sit with it. I pray with it. And then after that, I just kind of expect for the Lord to inspire me with a, with a homily. And, and he typically does. And what he always does, even if it's the last minute, sometimes I'm waiting in prayer until the last minute. So like I literally, it's two hours before mass and I don't have a homily. Uh, And then the Lord gives it to me. So it's kind of cool how the Lord works with each one of us in different ways. Other priests, I know that they get commentaries and they like do all this research for, you know, whatever. But why are there some poor homilies? I think one reason might be because in the Catholic church, priests preach every single day. So we have daily mass. And so sometimes I think that could be overwhelming, especially when we have like busy ministry. Like 
we don't just preach, you know, <laughs> and we don't just have like time set apart to like pray throughout the week for Sunday, all like for, for hours. Like my personal, like I don't. So for me, what I do is I pray the breviary five times a day. I celebrate mass every day and I do a holy hour every day. In addition to that, but when I do my holy hour, my holy hour is not an hour of homily prep. That's work prayer. So my holy hour is an hour of intimacy with God where I'm just with the Lord. So in addition to my holy hour, in addition to praying the breviary five times a day, in addition to celebrating mass every day, I also spend time throughout the day praying, doing homily prayer, where I'm like, I take the word of God and apply Lexio with the readings for the sake of like encountering God throughout the day. But with that being said, I also am super busy, right? I'm a director of vocations. I'm a campus minister. I'm a chaplain. I'm the co-chair for the Commission on Racial Harmony. I have hospital visits. I have anointings late at night. I have Bible studies that I lead late at night. I um, have families that I'm visiting, doing house blessings with. And when you do a house blessing, there's typically a meal with that. And when you do the meal, that takes hours out of my day. I'm doing pastoral counseling for students. I'm hearing confessions at LSU. We have confessions um, for over an hour and a half every single day because that's how many kids are coming back to the confessional, which means I'm like immersed in that sacrament. I'm in staff meetings. Um, then I'm traveling the diocese, vocation director, going from school to school, parish to parish, university to university, meeting kids, uh, cultivating those relationships, helping them to discern, giving talks, hosting retreats for vocations throughout the diocese. So like we literally have a pretty busy lifestyle as priests, like where it's like I wake up in the morning and I might have like every day I might have 30 minutes to an hour of free time except for my day off and, and, and also Sundays. Sundays I do masses and I'm pretty much, I rest on Sundays outside of masses. But like my day off is a day of recreation for me. But the rest of the week is pretty much nonstop. And, um, and so a lot of times it's just difficult to like, to just have like a bunch of free time to, to prepare for the homily. And so I do prepare, but like what I'm saying is that like there's other things, like the early church was devoted to worship. So like in the homily is part of worship, but they're also devoted to study, to prayer, and to fellowship. And fellowship included ministry to the widows and the poorest of the poor and proximity to them. So in addition to like, I mean, when priests are coming to the table, some of them just don't have a gift of preaching. Like some of them don't have that charism. So I think the Lord has given me a charism of preaching. So it's easier for me to, to be busy like I am and still share a homily that inspires people to have a deeper conversion. Not every priest is a great preacher. So some of them really do rely on like a lot of like commentaries and then they still aren't able to whatever, give a good homily. That's not an excuse. I'm just saying like that's kind of a background of like what a lot of priests go through throughout the week. And so some of them, in addition to being so busy, they also don't pray well. So I think, and that's not a judgment on my brother priest, but it's just like an acknowledgement. Like some some priests don't pray a lot. Like just just be real. And because of their lack of interior life, because of lack of relationship with Jesus, sometimes that's heard from the the pulpit. So you have busy priests who are engaged in ministry, who are exhausted, who are preaching every day. So we don't just preach on Sundays. We literally have to give a homily every single day. So you're giving a homily every single day at daily mass. And that's just, that's a lot. That's a lot of preaching. And on top of those homilies, you have funeral masses and you have wedding masses. And so that's like, sometimes you're giving three different homilies in one day. Like I've had that uh, where I've given, yeah, I've done a funeral in uh, the morning. Uh, then I've done, you know, mass at noon. And then I've done a wedding at night. And then uh, that's just Friday. <laughs> and then I have to have a homily for Saturday. 
Uh, and then if I'm doing like a December retreat, I have to have a different talk for that retreat. So there's like a lot of different material that we have to prepare for. So sometimes there's just the priests are just overwhelmed and there's just a lot going on. Um, some priests also, so there, there's one thing is people are busy. Number two is some priests don't pray well. Number three is some priests don't prepare well. Some priests are lazy. So, and again, that's heard in the homilies. It's like, brother, like get yourself together. A homily is important. A homily is a very important part of the mass. The homily, the point of it, isn't to do a big Bible study from the pulpit. Like, that's not the point of a homily. That's the point of, like, you do that in Bible studies. Like, so if you want a big exegesis on sacred scripture, you go to a Bible study. Because we have so many masses throughout the day, you can't, in a Catholic church, you can't give a homily for like 30 minutes. And, and typically, because we have mass back to back to back, like, there's so many masses that each priest has to say throughout the day that if we gave 30 minute homilies, then the people, there wouldn't be any parking spots for the people. So even practically, it's not practical to give super long homilies. So typically priests give a homily between seven minutes and 20 minutes max. I've been known to go a little over 20 minutes every now and then, but we don't have an hour to to do an exegesis on sacred scripture like they do in the Protestant church. Now, why are they able to do this in the Protestant church quite often? In many cases, because they don't have the liturgy of the Eucharist uh, that they then get to eventually, right, as, as a part of the, the liturgy. They just have praise and worship, our you know, gospel songs, and then they have a reading from the scripture, and then they have uh, a, a, a sermon and prayers. And then once a month, they might do like a communion service or whatever. But in many cases, not every Protestant church is this way, but most, most of them are similar to that kind of structure. And I say that as someone who went to Protestant church for four years of my life. And uh, yeah, so there's also that. So if you want like a, a deep, heavy, heavy exegesis, I would say that's what Bible says it for. That does not mean that priests are not supposed to be preaching on the word. We're supposed to preach on the word, on the scriptures or on the feast day of the saint whose day we're celebrating. We're supposed to do that. And the point of our preaching is geared towards our conversion and your conversion for our holiness and your holiness. And so that might be accomplished through, you know, a little bit of like historical background on what's going on and like connecting it, whatever. But we don't have a full hour to do that. And so some guys just don't have the, the gift of being able to connect the scriptures to our everyday life and inspire us to have a deeper conversion. It's just one of those realities that everybody has different gifts. Some priests aren't great preachers, but they're great administrators. Some priests are really good at administrating parishes and operating the whole show, but, they're, but then they're, they're not that they're not good at administrative presence. And some priests are really good at administrative presence, but they're not good at serving the poor. Like We all have our different gifts and our different talents. And so if you notice that like your, your priest isn't giving the best homilies and you are in a relationship with him, then you, you could be free to give him feedback and say, hey, Father, because he might not be hearing that. Like, obviously, affirm the good. Like, hey, Father, I really appreciate this. Here's an area of growth I think that might be helpful for you is that whenever you preach, you preach too fast. Whenever you preach, you always just tell a joke and you don't ever talk about the Bible. Hey, Father, like, I don't ever see you pray. Like, uh, I've never seen you in the church praying before Mass, after Mass, in the Adoration Chapel, with the Rosary on campus. Like, can you just, like, share with me what your prayer looks like? That Because that way that might convict the priest that the priest isn't praying. Hey, Father, here's this commentary that I found helpful on the sacred scriptures. Like, these are all tools and resources you, as the bride of Christ, can offer the priest who um, is, is, is married to the church, who's really, um, in a real sense, the spouse of you in a spiritual sense. To let the priest know, like, here's how you can love me better, particularly in the liturgy of the word. Um, so, again, I'm not trying to give excuses. I'm acknowledging that the bishops and the popes have all acknowledged that lay people around the world have complained about homilies. I'm just also trying to give some 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 feedback on as to why some priests aren't the best at giving homilies. Um, so yeah, hopefully that was helpful. When we come back, we are going to dive into our final question. 
about God's creation and Mother Nature. If you enjoyed the Rejoice Advent resources in the past Advents, you know firsthand how God can use the season of Advent to foster a personal encounter with Him so that you are ready for the person of Jesus Christ at Christmas. My name is Father Mark Toops, author of the Rejoice Advent Meditation Series, and I'm excited about this year as we invite you on a pilgrimage as we learn more about the places, people, and events of the very first Advent. I am humbled with all of you who have uh, celebrated with me the gift of Advent. Over 100,000 people have been a part of the Rejoice resource in the past. It's been a humble privilege for me to walk with you, and I'm excited about this year's pilgrimage as we learn more about those places, people, and events of the very first Advent. To learn more and to go on the pilgrimage with us, go to rejoiceprogram.com. Until we see you in this Advent journey, God bless you. All right, final question comes in from Elder. Elder says this, does the idea of Mother Nature fit into Catholicism? I really see God in nature, and typically encounters in nature for me are also encounters with God. But I never know how to respond when friends talk about Mother Nature. Personally, I like thinking about nature and the earth as a mother sometimes. Could it be like an interpretation of God or an artistic rendering of God? Thank you. Yeah, that's actually a really, really great question. Um, I St. Francis of Assisi, who was like rooted um, in in the word of, of God, he also invites us to see nature as this phenomenal book in which our Lord communicates uh, to us and allows us to experience a glimpse of his infinite beauty and, and goodness. Like creation is certainly good, but creation is also a gift that we are called to be stewards of. Creation is not our, our mother. It's not our mother. So God gave us creation to use, to cultivate, to be stewards of, to be responsible with, so that we can cultivate the land, so that we can have a, a healthy uh, community with the, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and the wild animals on the land who need creation to survive, just as we need this creation, this earth, our land to survive. But we are responsible for it. The creation is not our mother, right? We do not honor creation. We honor our mother and our father. Uh, we are responsible stewards of, of creation. So the earth is on our sister, the earth is on our, our mother, the earth is on our, our brother. The earth is something that we've been created to reign over. We are in charge of creation, which means we need to be responsible with this great gift that God has given to us. And when we're responsible with it, then people like you and me, Elda, can have profound encounters with God in nature. Nature is God's first cathedral. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a gift. And whenever we take care of nature, when we take care of the world by not polluting, by not throwing trash everywhere, by not being disrespectful toward it, then it becomes a bridge for us to be able to perceive the presence of the divine, to perceive the presence of God, to hear the voice of God. I love to pray outside. I love to do rosary walks. I love to walk in nature. I love to read scripture outside. I've even done adoration outside. It is beautiful. It is a gift and it is good. But the main point of Christianity is this, and this is what G.K. Chesterton says, is that nature is not our mother or our sister. We can be proud of her beauty since we have the same father, God, but she has no authority over us. We have to admire her, but not to imitate her. So God the Father gave us this earth, 
not to worship it, but to use it to help us to worship him, to help us to encounter him. So when we go out into the world, it is it is very good and healthy for us to detach from technology and from phones and from music and from noise so that we can encounter the Lord in his first cathedral and be inspired by our time of prayer and nature to go out into the world and um, the secular world and share the fruits of our time with God in his creation in nature. So yes, it is a good thing, but it, nature is not something that I would say we can call our, our mom um, because we are not in charge of our moms. Our moms are in charge of us. We are in turn in charge of creation, including nature. So hopefully that was helpful. All right. Let's go ahead and pray. And uh, don't forget, you can check out my Ask Father Josh show, which is different from from the Ask Father Josh podcast on the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace. I will see you in the Eucharist. And uh, if we don't ever meet on earth, I will hopefully see you in heaven. 